It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Before the game kicks off, let's ramp it up with college football overtime. Here's, here's, here's Garrett Chapman and Abe Gordon. Welcome into college football overtime. My name is Garrett Chapman. His name is Abe Gordon. Some people like to call this the offseason. I say that the offseason doesn't exist in college football. We have a ton to get into, a ton of Alabama moves that are happening. We have a transfer portal exodus that is currently happening over there in Tuscaloosa. And they're filling out their, their coaching staff and they're figuring stuff out. But we got a lot of things that we got to get into right here on the College Football Overtime Podcast. Before we do any of that, though, I got to welcome in my co-host. Abe Gordon, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, Garrett, man. Every time it feels like we're about to hit a stretch or maybe it slows down a little bit, something else pops through and, and keeps the conversation going. So, uh, look, I thought maybe after uh, Alabama settled down with Kalen DeBoer, maybe we'd slide into it, but certainly – uh, some announcements today uh, on various different uh, circumstances have, have changed that. So we're right back after it. A lot of stuff going on in the news. Yeah, who would have thought that the hiring of Nick Saban would have eventually led to an opening at San Jose State? <laughs> Just a crazy, crazy development of events, man. But we got to start here in the SEC. We're just going to jump right in. Uh, Kane Womack tapped as the defensive coordinator at Alabama. Uh, this was an important hire. This was a really important hire for Kalen DeBoer. He's looking to stabilize that staff. Uh, the offense appears to be right on track. Uh, his offensive coordinator is following him from Washington, Ryan Grubb. Also, the offensive line coach, the wide receiver coach, the tight end coach, they all followed him from Seattle to join him in T- at Tuscaloosa uh, with the Crimson Tide. Travaris Robinson was his first choice, and that was kind of ugly the way that Robinson apparently said no. He goes to Georgia, Georgia says, hey, we're going to make you our co-defensive coordinator and defensive backs coach. And then Alabama says, well, we'll make you just defensive coordinator and you don't have to move at all. He says, thanks, but no thanks. They tried to lock him in the room and it didn't end up working out too well. And and he was there for, what, four, five, six hours for a very long time. And he still said no. But this is an important side of the football, especially for Kalen DeBoer in his first couple of days as the Crimson Tides head coach. They have all but one of the players who have jumped into the portal have come on the defensive side of the football. They needed to stabilize that side. And they turned to Kane Womack, who, of course, coached with 
Kalen DeBoer when they were in Indiana back in 2020. Uh, they finished number 12 in, def- in de- total defense that year. So th- that was a strong – or excuse me, they finished number 12 in the EP poll. Uh, but they had a really strong defense, I should say. And I like the hire. It's a head coach. I think this is a guy who a lot of people thought would be a head coach at a bigger program, but had a bit of a disappointing season last year after the really strong 2021 Abe, what do you think about this hire? Yeah, I, I do think it's underwhelming in perception. Um, and, and it's interesting because you mentioned the time at Indiana, um, and he did. He ran out of top 10 defense for one year uh, with the Hoosiers before um, things fell apart and, and other jobs came his way. Um, but uh, I don't think a lot of people look at him, the job he's moving on from, and think this is a guy who's ready to step up to the big time in the SEC. And, and I, you know, for all those naysayers, um, I would say give him a chance. Uh, that, that, that's the thing I would look at. I, I think it's interesting to get a young up-and-coming uh, head coach and slide him into a coordinator position there, um, something he's obviously very familiar with. But um, the question is always going to be, can they keep playing the same Strong defense uh, up front, certainly uh, pumping NFL talent in with Kane, uh, Kane Womack leading the charge. Um, I think they are going to be able to, but I, I think this is less than this is me personally. I don't think it's about Kane Womack and the defense he runs. The, the question for me is still going to remain at what level are they recruiting? Um, and that ultimately is going to fall not on Kane Womack, not on anyone else on staff. It's ultimately going to fall on, on Kalen DeBoer. Um, yeah. I, I think we've seen the recruit rankings and I don't need specifics, but Alabama's top five every single year. Um, you can lock that down. Uh, they've got to be in that discussion still year after year or, or the type of defense you run or how intense a coach is or experience isn't going to matter. It's still college football. You still got to have those uh, four stars, five stars, depth chart, all that stuff. So I'd be much more concerned about the recruiting aspect of this as opposed to who's my DB coach or who's my defensive coordinator. Uh, I think this is an interesting move for Womack, uh, who, as you mentioned, maybe was ready to to take charge of a bigger program, um, if not this cycle, maybe next cycle. But, um, look, Alabama has been a great stepping stone for coordinators on both sides of the ball yeah. under Nick Saban. Will it continue to be that? Uh, under Kalen DeBoer. I think that's the chance that Kane Womack is taking here. Uh, if with Saban gone and DeBoer in charge, if he can still put out a top five, top 10 defense at Alabama, maybe that does lead to another uh, opportunity for a head coach uh, somewhere bigger than South Alabama. So uh, it's an interesting gamble from both sides of this, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, the numbers are there. Uh, if you just look at his performance, whether he was at Indiana, like you talked about, he had a top 10 defense that one season. Um, they turn the ball over at a high rate, and then, of course, he turns around and, and goes and takes the job down at South, Al- South Alabama, and he helps turn that program around. Uh, and it's a good Sun Belt team. I mean, don't get it, don't get it twisted. I mean, South Alabama's a, a fine program, and um, he had them rank all in the top 20 pretty much in, in every major statistical category on defense. So I think the X's and O's are going to be strong, but I think you raise a very good point, Abe. The, it, uh, people have said this. It's an age-old adage it's it's not the x's and o's it's the jimmies and the joes right one thing that alabama has consistently been known for is that talent and you walk into nick saban was able to walk into any recruits room or any recruits house and just control the room and if they wanted a guy they could finish at least in in that final group if they really wanted that guy 
Kalen DeBoer is not really known as an elite recruiter. He's a great a game day coach. He's a guy who gets the job done on game day. And I think he elevates his program. And, and I think Womack is going to be another guy who's going to do stuff like that. But the problem is you're not going to be competing in the Sun Belt. You're not competing in the Pac-12 where, yes, they had a really, really good year this past year. But for the most part, it's, it's a down league. Like It's not necessarily the better of the Power 5 group. You're now competing with the likes of Georgia, of Tennessee, who are uh, these guys are going to be trotting out five star, four and five star players across the board. And if your talent doesn't match up to those teams, you're going to get exposed over the course of a 12 game season. It's just the nature of the game that you play. So I don't think it's going to be this cataclysmic drop off necessarily, but there's going to be a regression. They're not going to be finishing, like you say, as a, as a top five class every year. I mean, Nick Saban at, at one point had the number one class, according to the 24-7 rankings, for what, like nine years in a row? And then it was, what, 10 out of the next 12? Because Kirby Smart did it, took, it, took that title twice. And Kirby Smart takes the title one time, and they're like, oh, my God, like Nick Saban's falling off. And then he proceeds to go scoop another number one class the next year. So it's it's he's a top two class and he's definitely not number two. Like that's the kind of situation he's in. Uh, and Kaylee DeBoer's going to regress. Like that's just the nature of well, it. Well, there, there's two things about the, the going to stay. Yeah, there's two things about the potential of regression here. I do think we see it here in the first couple of years. What's going to be really important though, and this is what was so impressive for Kirby Smart uh, in recent years, but Saban before that. You've mm-hmm. got to continually pump out NFL talent. You have to be able to walk into that yeah. room like Saban could, like Kirby can, and say, if you're here, I will get you to the NFL. Let's let's develop your talents. I have, have the program that is going to best prepare you to be a top draft pick in the NFL. I yeah. think we need to see that over the next two or three years for, for Kalen DeBoer and that program to be able to recruit as easily uh, maybe as some of those guys. So I, I think that's going to be very important as well. So that kind of gets me into something that we discussed on Monday's podcast. It, it's it's expectations and perception. I, one thing I always say, I, I don't whether, whether it's sports, life, anything, perception is more important than reality. The reality is, is that Kalen DeBoer is a very good coach, but the perception of him is equally, if not more so, important. If he loses some games that maybe he was supposed to win in year one, how long of a leash does he have? I'm not saying like a hot seat, he can get fired or whatever. I'm saying based off of the perception of yeah where he stands to recruits, to the media, to, to just his fan base in general. What happens if Georgia comes in there? That's his first SEC game and they run up and down the field on him. I don't think that's going to happen. But what if it does? What if they, what if they finishes his first season nine and three? Well, Nick Saban hadn't finished. With nine wins since two thousand, with under nine wins since two thousand seven, so that perception is extremely important. Yeah, the the I, first off, I think Alabama's going to be a lot more patient uh, from a school perspective than maybe the fans will be. But I also think this is the perfect time for this to be happening. It would be extremely brutal to have to replace Nick Saban in a four team playoff or before that, when only two teams got in there, there's so much room for And there's not a ton of room for air, but when you're talking about Alabama, the difference between being four and 11, let's say there's a lot of room for air for Kane, uh, for um, Kalen DeBoer. Um, I, I think that is going to play a huge role. He's got to be getting into the playoffs at a minimum. Um, and it's just so much easier to do that. Right. 
when you've got 12 teams and not four. So timing wise, I actually think it's a decent spot for DeBoer. And then the the patience is going to come down to how much change is going on within the program. Like, are we looking at a different type of quarterback? He's got to be able to recruit the quarterback that's going to run his system. That's probably not on uh, campus right now. Like that guy's probably not Jalen Milrow. Um, It's probably not any of the younger guys as well. So there is a timeline for that to say, look, the offense isn't where we want it to be. He obviously can't say it this way, but to to understand the offense is where uh, we need it to be. But by year two, year three, we've got the linemen that uh, are going to block the way we need them to block. They they may not want the big bruisers. Maybe they want some more mobile guys to move pockets, whatever, whatever he's trying to do. Uh, you got to give some time for that to be instituted into the program. Um, you can't miss the playoffs. Like, I totally agree with that. Um, but I don't think there's panic if you finish outside the top four either. Yeah, I think that's probably true. But, I mean, it's just the fact that, that Kalen DeBoer, unlike anybody else in America, like, literally, I, I don't. I think he is completely unique in this sense that he's not competing with Kirby Smart or Lane Kiffin. He's not. He's not competing with Texas A&M and Tennessee. He's competing with the legacy of Nick Saban. And that's a very important thing that we have. I got some bad news for you. It's going to be Kirby Smart that whoops your ass in the first game in the SEC. It ain't going to be Nick Saban. So (laughs) you better start competing with Kirby Smart. You're you're fighting ghosts, and he's got to make sure that he's not not letting the ghosts win that battle. But I think he's doing a lot of the right things right now. He's bringing in coaches who have experience and – and one thing about Kane Womack specifically is that he has ties to the SEC. Uh, his dad, Dave Womack, coached in the SEC for 40 years. I mean, he's, he, I mean, then you have Buffalo head coach Maurice Linguist, who's, uh, who just joined him in. The, uh, he was coached at Texas A&M. Uh, he, he's very well connected to the state of Texas. He's going to come in and coach the defensive backs. That's another head coach that you're just bringing in. Um, you're trying to bring in guys who can recruit the South and people who have connections in the South. Kalen DeBoer is not that guy. Like you have a guy from, from the state of Washington who grew up in the Northeast or not the Northeast. You grew up in the, in the, uh, where he grew up. Where, where's Kalen DeBoer from? He's, uh, I know he's, he came in from, he came in from Washington. He's he South stops Dakota. in Indiana, yeah, South Dakota. Okay. So I thought he was somewhere up in that region, but I was going to say Wyoming and I'm like, that's not right. But th- this is a guy who has, who has coached in the North, North of the Mason Dixon, basically his entire career. And now he's going to come into the deep South and try to recruit that it's going to be interesting when you're trying to come into uh, players homes and try to connect with them and, and, and build that connection with them and their families. That's going to be very important. Dave Womack, Maurice Linguist, the, these head coaches and guys who have done it uh, as a head coach and bringing them in to, to, to coach these, these coordinator positions. I think that's very important. I think it's also, it is his first year. <laughs> I think this, if you're, your leash is never going to be longer than it is right now. Um, so I think you are taking a chance and, and you know what, uh, after a year, you feel like you need to bring in um, maybe not a hot shot prospect, but a guy that's just kind of going to settle into that role. I think you can do that. And, and so now's the time to take a chance on these younger guys, as you mentioned, and see if it works. And if it doesn't, if you need some old school SEC mainstays, um, you can make that call because now's the time to um, to take those opportunities and see if it works and if it doesn't. Uh, you can readjust before year two. Yeah, I mean these are these two guys who he's just hired, the two most recent hires. Uh, they're both they're both connected to the South, and of course you have the running backs coach uh, and the defensive line coach, who are also the only coaches who were retained from the last staff. But outside of that, it's 
all Washington guys so far that have been made official. Uh, maybe that changes. Maybe he brings in some more. It's still developing. Uh, and we're going to keep everybody updated on that. Of course, Kalen DeBoer is the biggest news of this period. I mean, you're, you have a, 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 a dynasty of sort, not enough sorts, just a pure bona fide dynasty that loses its head coach. And, and of course that's going to be the biggest news for a little while. So we'll keep everybody updated on that right here on the college football overtime podcast. But one of the most important reasons for that is because of the stockpile talent that exists on the Alabama roster right now. And that's why he's trying to move so fast to make all of these hires official. Of course you have the 30 day window that opens up right when Nick Saban retires. And since then, We've had 22 different players enter their names into the portal since he retired. Um, led, of course, by, by Caleb Downs and, and Caden Proctor, the offensive tackle who just yeah. announced as of the recording earlier today. Um, both of those names jumped in there. Uh, Caleb Downs, of course, could be following his, his old defensive backs coach, uh, Tavares Robinson to Georgia. We'll see what happens there. He's a former number one overall player from the great state of Georgia. Maybe he he, he follows suit and, and, and runs to Athens. Maybe he goes up to Ohio State, but he, he really had an unbelievable season. He was the SEC player of the year or freshman of the year uh, last year with Alabama had more than a hundred tackles. I think it was the first time in like 70 years or something insane that a freshman led Alabama in tackles, but look, they got a lot of talent. They got a lot of talent and a lot of talent might be out, out the door here very soon. Yeah. Uh, and the one thing to remember is just because they're in the portal does not necessarily mean they are leaving Tuscaloosa. I, I think yeah. most of these guys enter the portal because you have to get into the portal at some point. I, I know there's some timeline situations about um, getting on campus. If you want to be involved in spring football and, and, mm -hmm. and the times are tight. Um, but that doesn't mean that, that DeBoer and his staff aren't going to be able to re-recruit these guys. And we've seen it both at Alabama, but all, all over the, you know, all, all over the country, guys have pulled their name out of the portal and remained with that school. So, uh, yeah, it, it is interesting. And I do think this is a situation where you got NILs that are looking and, and saying, okay, well, you're in the portal. Like, what, what are you looking for? Um, yeah. Certainly for some of these guys, they're that talented that it is darn near a blank check to some extent. Um, but it, 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 this is just the tough timing of the decision by Saban. It's the tough timing of the portal in general because they're losing guys without much of an opportunity to pull guys in from other schools. Um, they're kind of getting stuck with leftovers. But what that does do uh, for DeBoer, um, and if you look at the positive aspects of this, is you may be forced to play a lot of freshmen this year. Yeah. There is an opportunity to build a very young core on this Alabama team. You already know they're talented. There's no denying the four stars and five stars on this team that maybe didn't hit the portal. They're going to be young. They're going to be talented. They're going to make mistakes, but they can grow together. And you might be looking at a situation where in two years, in three years, you've got a number of guys that have had two or three years of SEC play somewhat unexpectedly because the guys ahead of them on the depth chart got bumped out of there. It, it actually could end up working and it's a positive a couple years down the road. So, so obviously it's tough to judge that now, but, uh, you do wonder if once he gets things up and running, um, that actually forced what forced his hand this year may actually play to his benefit uh, a couple years from now. But you've got. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All of the powerhouses looking, right? Georgia's involved. Texas is going to be involved. Sure. Um, USC, uh, Ohio State. I mean, everyone's going to be involved uh, in regards to trying to get these guys on campus and uh, onto their football team for this year. It's going to be very interesting to see because um, and you mentioned the two big ones today. Um, those are first-round guys. Uh, those, those are almost, no doubt, first-round talents. And uh, for them to be jumping elsewhere, yes, it's a big loss for Alabama, but also uh, looking at who's going to benefit, who's going to gain on uh, on that one. Yeah, and Caden Proctor is a guy. He's a true – these are both true freshmen. Too. He's a monster. They're both monsters. Like, they're, they're very, very big, big, big-time guys in the portal. I mean, we talked about Walter Nolan. We talked about uh, guys like that. Like These, these two are, are right up there. Uh, with him as, as some of the most talented players that we've seen jump into the portal. And there are going to be a lot of people who are interested. And of course, you've, you've already lost Isaiah Bond. Um, you, you've, you, you're starting to see some of the attrition. That's that's to be expected uh, from the recruiting classes of 2024 and 2025, led, of course, by Zion Grady and Ryan Williams. Ryan Williams being the biggest one, five-star wide receiver. We talked about him on Monday. Uh, he is the highest remaining uncommitted player now in the class of 2024 and he has about three weeks now to really figure out where he wants to go play college football. And that might still be Alabama, uh, but Kalen DeBoer is going to have an opportunity to re-recruit him and, and get him back in, into that program. But th- the biggest thing is I don't want to say that there's panic in Tuscaloosa. That's not really where my head is right now. This is just the natural progression of things. I mean, these players, you commit to go play for a coach, generally speaking. A lot of fans don't like to hear that. A lot of fans like to be like to live by the idea of, oh, you you committed to this program, you committed to this this institution, this university. No, they committed to a coach, and the coach is no longer there. Uh, most of them are, are even your position coaches. A lot of those position coaches aren't even there anymore. So it does not surprise me all that much. Especially, we just talked about the coaching staff, specifically about the defensive coaching staff. Only the defensive line coach was retained um, from that last cycle. So it does not surprise me that 21 different defenders have entered their name into the portal. It, yeah, it just I, they, they, look, game. there's two things at play here. Um, obviously, NIL is, is a setup here um, that sure. you can't just ignore and deny. 
But without Nick Saban, um, the questions about Kalen DeBoer, I, I think you have to be asked, um, and this goes back to what I was referencing uh, a couple minutes ago, like you have to ask yourself, is Alabama now the best place for me to be to find my way into the first round as a defensive superstar? Um, and I think it's a fair question to ask sure. um, with the new coaching staff. And so – a lot of people are just saying, well, they're just taking the NIL money, the biggest, uh, you know, offer, and and they're just that's why they're leaving. No, I I think there are some real questions to ask. Um, that maybe they're not sure if if remaining at Alabama is their best chance to get. Well, they just don't want to be guinea pigs. They don't want to be the NFL. ones to find right. out. Like, um, and, and how can you fault them? For and I think it's a I think it's a fair thing to add. I mean, you look at the numbers Georgia has put in. Um, if you're in the secondary and, and there's a a, a scenario where you could go to Georgia and play for two years. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many guys in the Georgia secondary have been two-year starters and, and aren't in the top two rounds? Like it just doesn't happen. You wouldn't be a two-year starter in Georgia if you weren't that guy. So um, recently at least. And, and so it's just like, yeah, like it makes sense. It, it certainly does. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, there are some people at least on social media, which Twitter is not real. Anybody who looks at Twitter and likes to use that as a, a fundamental basis of, of like what a fan base is doing or thinking it's a good sample size. It's not necessarily the best barometer, if you will, of, of what's going on, but there seems to be a panic on social media. I'm not panicking. I don't think anybody should panic. I think Alabama is going to be just fine. They're going to be a really good football team in 2024. I, I am pretty confident of that, but they're also going to be an extremely attractive location. You talked about how they're going to have to play a lot of freshmen. Yeah. Well, there are a lot of people who are going to be transferring into that program come mm-hmm. May. I am not going to be surprised at all if they are the top or one of the top programs come the May cycle, if that is the case. I mean, like if, if we continue to see some of this attrition, I would not be surprised even in the slightest to see Alabama just really, really add some talent in that May cycle. Uh, still tons of players in this next recruiting class that are still locked in. You talked about the timing of the Nick Saban retirement. One of the most important things with that is that the vast majority of the players are already locked in. They are committed to their letter of intent. They cannot ask out because they've already started classes. So uh, very interesting thing there. We will follow everything that's going on here with Alabama, but there is a domino effect that happens. We, we, we I said at the very beginning, it's like you have a, a uh, an opening at Alabama that leads to an opening at San Jose State. And there are a lot of little pieces right there in the middle. The next one down the line is Jed Fish. He jumps shit at a ship at Arizona, and he's going to Washington. Uh, he's got big shoes to fill. I, I think Jed Fish is a, a very good, very good head coach. But twenty-five and three in the last two seasons at Washington, those are big shoes. And uh, good for Jed Fish. Honestly, I, I was a little disappointed with the hire. I, I really wanted to see what he could do at Arizona now that he's really got some momentum built at that program he's got Noah Fafita coming back he's got McMillan coming back the wide receiver who had just at 1400 yards I mean like look he had the pieces to really really go make a run at Arizona so I'm a little disappointed but I think if you're Washington this is about as good as you could have hoped for you double his salary and this is a guy who's been at a lot of different places and has had success pretty much everywhere he's been he's a great program builder he coached the Wildcats up from when they were one and eleven in twenty twenty one to now they're ten and three in twenty twenty three, and I don't think that they fully hit their ceiling. 
So I, I think this is a slam dunk hire for the Huskies. Yeah, it's, it's going to be really interesting to see. And and it's kind of just like it has been everywhere else. You've got to get the recruiting up to standard, especially now that you're jumping into uh, the Big Ten. Uh, and that's going to be a very difficult jump to sustain. And uh, I, I mean, we've seen the numbers, the amount of talent that is going to be off um uh, of Washington is staggering. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't believe they have a single returning starter. 18 between... and 22 starters. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. I was going to say on offense. Excuse me. No, yeah. I don't believe their offense has a single returning starter. Um, and then obviously they, they don't have a single staff member that's been retained on offense either because they all went with Kalen DeBoer. So, uh, I, I mean, he's a good coach, but when we talk about a program that is kind of starting from scratch, like that's Washington next year. I and I know they have some talent, yeah. um, some holdovers, obviously from from what DeBoer was able to recruit. But uh, this is a complete blank slate uh, on the field for Jed Fish. It'll be interesting to see after what he was able to build in a relatively short time there uh, at Arizona, two three years, um, and he obviously got them up and running at, at a very high level um, to where they finished top fifteen. And and look for for Arizona. For Jed Fish, a 12-team playoff came one year too late because if they get put in there, I don't know who wants to play them. Uh, they were as scary and dangerous as anyone mm-hmm. uh, the last couple of weeks of the season. And, and so, um, you know, if he can get this thing running up there at Washington, um, you, you know, look out. But then you've also got the situation. And I know a lot has been made of this now. Um, Washington, is it a is it a stepping stone um, to bigger jobs? I, I, I mean – it feels like it could be a destination, but at the same time, it hasn't been in a while. And if Jed yeah. Fish, after succeeding at Arizona, um, if he can get things up and running at Washington. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Washington, like, yeah, it, it kind of feels like bigger jobs may come open to him, um, whether it be in the pros or or in college. So um, it's an odd scenario to see Washington jumping into the Big Ten, but still maybe being talked about as not quite the destination um, some of us feel it should be. Well, destination be damned. He's making almost $8 million. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like we can, we could say all we it, want to about it can be 11. If, it can be 11. If Ohio state fires Ryan day, it might sure. be 12, might be 12. If you wait for that AD to get in there. <laughs> <laughs> not even, a little foreshadowing here for a little bit. That we're going to jump into, but no, we, I think Jet Fish is, is a great hire for them. Yeah. I, I think Washington's a great job. It's it's a They just played in a national championship game, but I think that is a little bit of fool's gold like you alluded to. Like I said, 18 to 22 starters from 2023 are gone. They have zero scholarship quarterbacks on that roster right now. Will Rogers was going to be the guy. 
He transfers in from Mississippi State after the very successful career yeah. at Mississippi State. He's now in the portal after the DeBoer decision. Austin Mack, he tra- he entered his name into the portal after the DeBoer decision. And Dylan Morris has, had already did, made the decision to to transfer over to James Madison. That's all three, you know. So some people say, I mean, the, at some level, a blank slate's great. We could look at what he could potentially do with that, and he can take it in any different direction. But there's that's a lot of question marks. That's a lot of question marks. And and Jed Fish, I mean, look, this is a program that that he led from one and eleven to ten and three. They lost twelve games in a row when he took over. And he turned that into, like you said, a potential college football playoff caliber team if they were in that 12-team era. I mean, it was a program that just sort of, they won, and then they sort of just kept winning, you know? But my heart aches for for guys like Noah Fafita, guys who who could, be, I mean, he could be starting, he could be the next starter at Ohio State or Miami or another one of those prominent programs that was looking for a quarterback. Florida State jumps to mind. Oregon jumps to mind. And instead, he decided to stay loyal and, and remain a wildcat and go see what he could do with Jed Fish as his head coach and McMillan, his top wide receiver, coming back. They really had something there. And just as a college football fan, I'm disappointed. I, I'm disappointed for, for all the wildcat fans out there. But if you're Jed Fish, this is a this is a home run. This is a slam dunk. This is great. You doubled your salary and you got away from a pretty toxic program. Uh, I mean, Arizona's not necessarily known as a beacon of success. Well, it's um, a basketball school. Well, uh, no, I mean, but I'm not even saying that. I'm saying their athletic department. This is an athletic department that that mysteriously misplaced $240 million, and they were about to sell their athletic department and, and shut it down at one point. I mean, it's been a disaster over that athletic department. You get away from that and you double your salary. Yeah, good for you. Uh, so I'm happy for Jed Fish, and um, he's going to be the guy to lead them into the Big Ten. I think it's a good hire, but that also leaves – Again, Wake, Brent Brennan, the San Jose State head coach, he was hired to replace Fish at Arizona. I think this is also a pretty good hire. They nearly hired him last cycle uh, because he's a former Wildcat graduate assistant, and what he's been able to do with really a, a, a dreadful, a dreadful athletic department at San Jose State, a place where you have to, to fundraise to make sure your players have breakfast, I mean – it's a bad program. And he he got them into the top 25 in 2020. And he's he led them to bowl games. And he has a losing record all time. But he's pretty damn close to 500. And when you consider what San Jose State is as a football team, that's pretty damn good. So I like what they got in Brent Brennan, considering it's almost a last second hire. It's somebody who, uh, I mean, we're halfway to February. We're, we're almost to National Signing Day. And uh, we've already been through one signing period. I mean, we're not, we're past the days where the big jobs, which I would consider a, a power five job to be a big job. This stuff would have been done in beginning of the month. This stuff would have been done in December. So considering they were able to go get a guy like Brent Brennan, I think it's a good deal for, for them. Yeah. Really interesting. This is a guy who, when he was at Oregon state developed a trio of really good receivers, Marcus Wheaton, James Rogers, and then obviously the one that's had the most success in the NFL uh, Brandon Cooks. A- oh, yeah. And so I-, I think this is a situation where he can build on, on what we've seen uh, Arizona's offense turn into uh, and take advantage of Fafita and his legs. But man, some of the receivers that you mentioned, um, I-, I think this is a situation where you could see a lot of talent being pumped through on the offensive side of the ball 
uh, for Arizona. I am excited to see. Uh, he was what Mountain West Coach of the Year in mm-hmm. 2020, I think. Yeah. Uh, won the won the league that year as well. So uh, he has built programs to a championship level, albeit a, a, on the smaller scale. Um, and you know, you, you're running out of names. You're, you're running out of um, realistic <laughs> hires that that you think um, would work and fit and, and can stick with you for a number of years. So. Uh, I, I do think this was a, a pretty solid hire. It's tough, you know. It's tough to give like outstanding grades to this at this point. But it's um, a TBD. But you, you yeah, you're a taking a chance. A I think it's a good guy job. to take a chance on. Exactly. I mean, the last yeah. time you went through and vetted the process, you, you 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 name this guy a finalist, and he almost gets the job the first time, and then he's still around the second time. Yeah, good for you. Yeah. And it's I mean, it's we're talking about Arizona here. We're not talking about like a top flight program. No offense to Arizona. Um, but speaking of top flight programs, um, Ohio State, Ross Bjork, he's the new athletic director. He leads, he leaves Texas AM. I know you have some thoughts, and I'm gonna open the floor to you. Well, it, it's just look, guys don't get punished for making massive, massive mistakes. And this is the guy that gave Jimbo Fisher the worst contract from a school perspective in the history of contracts, at least. Uh, worst extension, excuse me, mm-hmm. uh, in the history of extensions. And, uh, you know, the school had to eat $70 million. Uh, and what happens like 18 months later or eight months later or whatever it is, uh, he, he gets a bump to one of the most prestigious universities in all of college athletics. Um, and and it's just it's just a wild world. Uh, it's a nice privilege to be able to screw up uh, to that level and, and still – uh, have momentum forward in in the professional line of this thing. It's just, it is wild. Uh, I, you know, I don't know why he is uh, viewed by the Buckeyes as having been a successful AD, but um, I, I guess onward and upward for Ross Bjork. Um, it's, it's, I'm sure it's going to come with a nice little uh, pay raise for him as well. Well, I mean, if you're a Michigan fan, you're probably really excited about this. I mean, yeah, the Both prospect stops. of him having to hire the next Buckeyes head coach. There's a, uh, I don't know if this is the guy that you really want to be making these decisions. I mean, we were talking before the show, and, and I was looking at what Ole Miss was. And Ole Miss, I mean, they had a pretty solid basketball program when he was hired as the athletic director. He makes the change and buries that program. And then, of course, you have the whole Hugh Freeze debacle that happens under his watch, and he hires the next head coach, and he hires Matt Luke, which Matt Luke's a great guy, great dude. Not a great head football coach, and the and the the wins just were not there. And then he bolts and he goes to Texas A and M, and he and he t- and he inherits a pretty, I don't know, I won't say prominent necessarily, but a successful enough basketball program. And that one gets late, like ladled with uh, with with uh, recruiting sanctions and all other issues. And then we don't hear from Texas A and M basketball anymore. The football programs regressed. Everything is regressed. Every step that he, every stop that he goes to regresses and so i don't really understand the hire none of it really makes sense to me um he's made a lot of missteps he's he went through the whole process with uh with with after the jimbo fisher firing and now he he made the decision to to saddle his institution up with all of that money and then he just leaves it's weird shady i'm not a big fan of it abe did you have any more thoughts on that one before we move on. 
No, I, I mean, just, boy, the other thing is, and I know a lot of people in regards to, to Mike Elko, a lot of people like that hire, but that that may be another one where we're sitting and looking. It's like, that's the guy that hired Mike Elko, and that's not a good thing either. So, I mean, I, I don't know, man. It's just it's just a wild ride to be able to um, continue stepping forward a, a, after making so, – I mean, this that's was not a small off. miss. Well, the Jimbo Fisher thing is not a small misstep. Um, th- th- this was not okay. You got to hire wrong. Th- this was a massive, massive mistake. Um, that, that cost mistake. your athletic department or the school in large seventy million dollars. Um, th- that to just blindly overlook that is just wild. That's all. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's crazy what a strong handshake can get you. I guess. <laughs> Apparently, it's the athletic director spot at Ohio State. But that's it for us on the College Football Overtime Podcast. We'll see what happens with Ross Bjork. Um, I know it's never uh it's generally not a good thing when we start having to talk about athletic directors. So maybe his name doesn't pop up here on this podcast again, but you never know because uh, Ryan day is entering this season with a little bit of heat under that seat. So maybe we'll discuss that here in the coming weeks about uh head coaches that we're, we're most interested in, but that is for another time for Abe Gordon. My name is Garrett Chapman. Thank you so much for joining us right here on the college football overtime podcast. Make sure you are liked. Down there, make sure you like it. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you tune in on Monday for the next edition of College Football Overtime. Thanks so much for joining us. We will see you again very soon.